the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Your Discipleship Coach with Michael Smith. Each week, Michael uses his coaching expertise to encourage you to apply biblical truth to everyday life as you pursue Christ. Michael is a professional certified leadership, business, and life coach, serving as president of Professional Coach University, executive director of New Normal Coaching, and the lead pastor at Northwest Church. To learn more, visit yourdiscipleshipcoach.com, partnering with you to fulfill God's purpose in your life. Here's Michael. Thank you for tuning in today, and welcome to Your Discipleship Coach, partnering with you to fulfill God's purpose in your life. I'm your host, Michael Smith. And I'm here to encourage you to apply biblical truth to everyday life as you pursue Christ. Well, in our last episode here of November, I want to start getting us thinking about ending the year strong spiritually and thinking about getting through the holiday season and thinking about January. And I want us to look at at this topic, discipleship modeled in the Bible. So we're going to look at discipleship modeled in the Bible. So there's there's a million places you could go in a topic like this. So for this episode, I've I'm pulling out and highlighting three small passages that serve as models of discipleship in the scriptures in the Bible. You know, I know that that there are many books and articles written on discipleship and there are many ideas that that you might have and that your your churches might have. But what I want to do today is look at all those ideas and all of those books through the lens of of the Bible and look at what is it that the Bible says about discipleship. If you think of it, listen to this question. Does discipleship happen through preaching? Does discipleship happen through small groups or Sunday school classes? Does discipleship happen in one-on-one relationships? You know, the truth is, yes. Yes, yes. Discipleship can take form in any of those or, or other methods. But what I want to do today is look at discipleship as it's modeled in the Bible from three passages and take a look at, at how the discipleship relationship and experience and the, the discipleship life works and functions. So the first passage as we talk about discipleship modeled in the Bible is Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 to 22. So I'll read this. You can listen to this again later and look it up. Here's what it says, Matthew 4, 18. While walking by the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting their nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Jesus did, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, they saw two brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And then, verse 22, immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed Jesus. One of the things I want us to think about in discipleship as it's modeled in the Bible is the first thing to know is Jesus calls. Jesus is the one that makes a call. He, in, in the passage I read, 
We, we saw the words, he said to them. We saw the words, he called. See, what's being demonstrated here as we think about how discipleship is modeled in the Bible is that, is that Christ comes to us first. How does discipleship work? It's about Jesus coming to us. You know the scripture, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. God gave his son. God sent Jesus to us. And the way that it worked is, is Jesus spent a life on earth and, and ultimately endured death on a, on a cross. You know, I, I read this verse and, and you've probably read it before. Draw near to God and God will draw near to you. Well, part of the reason that that is true is as we draw near to God, we're recognizing that God is close to us. We're actually allowing him in. It's not that that, that's when he's taking his first step, but that's when we're first receiving his call and his presence in our life. So the one thing to know about discipleship is Jesus calls. And what's fun about that is Jesus calls through times of joy. And when things are going well, maybe we have a great experience in a church or we have a blessing in our workplace. We experience joy. And I I think as God calls to us from a positive perspective, I want us to think about what's next. So he calls us. How do we take another step? How do we keep growing in him? What What is next? How do I know him more? But Jesus also calls, not just through joy, he calls through pain. And when we, God calls us through pain and he's revealed as our source and sustenance and strength and pain, we don't always think what's next. We think, now what? It's a great question because God is calling us through pain. Maybe to hear that question, now what, God? What, God? See, God calls us in every circumstance. And what I know about, about the call is, is his call is a call to follow. He's calling us to follow him, to know who he is, and, and to join in him, and, and to, be, to, to be known by him, to be vulnerable. This call to follow is, is not a call to, to watch from the outside. It's a call to participate, to join, to follow. And he said, as I follow you, I will make you. See, when we are following and participating, God forms and shapes and makes our life. And, and and when it says when he, when he said to fishermen I'll I'll take your your life of fishing and I'll form you into fishers of men this this idea is he's going to take you at who you are and he's going to form and shape you to be who you are in a in where you are so you can serve his mission to fish for people you can serve his mission that that all the world would hear the gospel so there's a response to all of this as, as God calls us through Christ. This is a call to follow, but there's a response that's involved in all of this. As you looked at that passage in Matthew chapter four that I read, there twice in that little passage, those few verses, there was a, a response that, that is described as immediate. Immediately they left their nets and followed him immediately left the boat and their father and followed him. So I don't know what immediate means to you, and I don't know that that that's the only prescription, I mean, as we think about it. But what I do pick up from even just this passage is not only does Jesus call, but there's a response to that call. 
And, and we are responding to the call of God in our life, to the, the call of Christ in our life. And, and, and the call is this from Jesus. Stop living for yourself. Stop pursuing only what you know. Stop pursuing only your dreams. And, and I want you to come and, and join me in my mission. I want you to fulfill the dream of the Father that all the world would know him. That, you know, I mean, God sent Jesus to the world that the world would know him. And this is a call that God is placing on all of our lives that we would know him and that we would walk in his mission and share him with the world. So we have a responsibility to respond to the call. So I want us to know this. The number one, Jesus calls. Number two, there's a response that's involved in all of this. So the question that I want to ask at this point in our conversation today, as we talk about discipleship that's being modeled in Scripture, is how are you responding to God's call? How is it that you are responding to God's call? As you look at your life, can you see where God is calling you? Can you see how God is calling you? Have you spent these times to be vulnerable before God so he can speak to you and lead you and guide you? I've heard so many people pray their dreams to God, asking that their dreams would come true, where I think God is asking us to follow him so his dream can come true in our life. I'm curious, where can you see that God might be trying to call you and grab onto your heart? You know, we can behave against biblical standards in our life. And, and, and when that happens, there are people that will make choices and, and they feel like Christians might judge them because they're, they're choosing to not obey the Bible. And, and alone, uh, judgment may not, not include love. And that's, that's true. People might feel judged. But what's interesting about that when we don't follow the plan of scripture is, is judgment works when it comes from a context of love. See, if we feel loved, we can accept a judgment against us. I know that when I was growing up, I, I knew my parents loved me. And when they, they corrected my misbehavior, it was done out of love. Well, sometimes in a workplace, a boss might correct behavior, not out of love, but because they're trying to position themselves to something greater. So, so what I'm saying today, as we think about discipleship and scripture, that that love is part of this. We are loved by God and we are called to love our neighbor. So Matthew talks about Jesus calling us. Matthew talks about the fact that we have a response and that we are responding to God's call in our life. So I'm about to look at uh, the next half of the show. We're going to look at two scriptures. We're going to look at Acts chapter 2 and several scriptures there, verses 42 to 47. And then we're going to look at Acts chapter 16, verses 1 through 5. So we've looked at Jesus and his disciples as, as a model of discipleship. In Acts, we're going to look at how discipleship happens among brothers and sisters in Christ, amongst peers, if you will. So there's Jesus and his disciples as an example. Then there's just the operation of the church, uh, operating as believers in Christ and how discipleship happens among believers. 
And then I'm going to look at Acts chapter 16 and talk about Paul and Timothy. And we'll, we'll think about how it works from a spiritual mentor to a spiritual son or daughter in the faith. So this happened from Barnabas to Paul, and then again from Paul to Timothy. So we'll look at Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 16 and then wrap it all together and put a bow on it. So today we're talking about discipleship. And discipleship as it's modeled in the Bible. So I want you to hold tight and keep listening because when we come back, we're going to talk about two other passages about discipleship that's modeled in the Bible. So I want you to, to listen in and stay tuned. You're listening now to your discipleship coach, partnering with you to fulfill God's purpose in your life. And you're listening to AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. And we're back. Thank you for staying tuned to your discipleship coach, partnering with you to fulfill God's purpose in your life. I'm your host, Michael Smith, and I'm here to encourage you to apply biblical truth to everyday life as you pursue Christ. Today, we're talking about discipleship that's modeled in the Bible. And I'm excited for this topic today as we look at that, because it should be a deep encouragement to your life. And And we started by looking at an example from Matthew's gospel. But I want to dig in here uh, and look at Acts chapter 2 and, and hear these verses as we talk about discipleship modeled in the, in the Bible. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, Attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I want you to think about discipleship in the, in the Bible as it is represented here in Acts about a church discipling itself or one another. Some of the key components there, I believe I have seven components I want to pull out from this passage. Number one is this phrase, devoted. So they devoted themselves to certain practices and behaviors. They devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles and to fellowship. What I learned about this devotion is they devoted themselves to the dichotomy of spiritual growth, but doing it within this, this concept of community. So spiritual growth is is personal, but there's, there's this congregational or communal component of it. So it, it actually reiterates this when the, when the passage explains that they broke bread and they prayed. See, there was eating spiritual food. You know, they were, they were eating spiritual food through prayers and through growth. And, but there was also eating of physical food and breaking bread. So, so this is kind of where we get the idea that, that you might have heard that, that, uh, it's about doing life together with other believers. It's because they're eating together physically and spiritually. Eating and praying, the idea is both in the physical and in the spiritual, we're doing it together. So they devoted themselves to spiritual growth and to community. The second idea of seven I want to point out from this passage is that there was a deep presence of God. In discipleship, there's presence of God and awe came over every soul. 
There was wonders and signs and miracles done through the apostles. The ministry that was taking place was so the believers could stand in awe of God, recognizing his presence. You know, it's true we can feel God when we are alone. And there's a million stories we could say that defend that reality, that we can feel God and recognize God when we're alone. But you know what we're learning from this passage of discipleship as it's modeled in the Bible is we also can recognize God when we're together with others. So the the devotion, presence of God. Number three, discipleship amongst the the church, Acts chapter 2, is there was unity. See, all who believed came together. They had things in common. You know, there's a difference between being unanimous and being unified. So if I go on a family vacation, I used to live in Columbus, Ohio, and we drove a few times to Orlando, Florida. And there was two main ways we could go. One was through North Carolina. And, and actually, one of my wife's aunts lived there. And, and one was through Atlanta. And, and uh, we had a, my brother-in-law lived there. So, so we could go one of two ways. Now, we could sit in our family and we could decide who was going to vote. You know, there's I have six children and we could vote which way we wanted to go. Do we want to see this person? Do we want to go faster? But at the end of the day, we were all in the same car and took one route. We may not have been unanimous, but we were together. There was a unity. And I want to say that a church, even if you're not unanimous, should get in the car together and be unified. So here's another thought when I think about discipleship in the church from Acts chapter 2 is there was care. They sold their possessions and belongings and distributed to those as they had need. So what I want to ask us here is, are you aware of the needs around you? Do you meet the needs that are around you? We learn from the Good Samaritan, the story of the Good Samaritan, that we should recognize the needs that are around us and meet them. You know, I want to give you three other thoughts before I do the last passage here. And one of those, number five, I guess, would be worship. Day by day, they attended the temple together and they broke bread in their homes. There was the temple. They were worshiping and worshiping together. Discipleship in the church, as it's modeled in Acts chapter 2, includes worship. But it also includes, number six, relationship. Day by day, they, they were not just in the temple, but they were in their homes. And that results in the last sort of component here of Acts chapter 2 I want to draw our attention to, and it was growth. See, God made their family of the faith larger. It grew in number day by day. So we're looking at at, at the front end of the show, Matthew, and now we looked at Acts chapter 2, and now we're going to look at Acts chapter 16, sort of this last biblical illustration of how discipleship is modeled in the Bible. Let me read it, Acts 15. Paul also came to Derby and Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers of Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. This is, a, this is important. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were there in, the pla- in, those, in these places. Excuse me, For they all knew that the father was Greek. Verse 4, if you're following along. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered them from observance, uh, the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in numbers daily. So results happened there. But the idea is this came about because Paul found 
Timothy. And you look at this discipleship relationship one-on-one, and I've always looked at it as a disciple looking for a great spiritual mentor. But I think if we look at this illustration, it was the spiritual mentor, Paul, that found the disciple, Timothy. Paul was the disciple maker. And he saw the power of salvation in a family, and he knew that he needed to reach out and disciple Timothy. And why did he do that? Why did Paul do that? Why did Paul reach out to Timothy and make a spiritual investment into his life? You know, one primary reason is because there was a spiritual mentor in his own life named Barnabas. Barnabas found Paul and, and, and invested in Paul's life and, and equipped Paul and discipled Paul. See, this is what discipleship is. It, you know, we looked at it from Jesus and, and modeling how he did this with his calling his disciples. We looked at it in Acts chapter two, how the church interacts with one another. But some of you are a Paul. And, and you're waiting to be asked for someone uh, to come to you to ask you to speak into their life. And I want to say today, go do great ministry, but find a Timothy. Find someone that you can make an investment in. You know, I want you to think about the idea that disciples, you know, we always talk about a disciple as someone that learns, a learner. And that's that's certainly true. But first, a disciple is a follower, and we follow Christ, and the idea is that we would we would help people follow Christ as an example. See, Jesus calls first for a commitment to his person, which in turn entails obedience to his teaching. So we follow, and then we grow and learn. You know, Christianity, as I think about landing this plane today, discipleship in Scripture, Christianity is not about just avoiding bad behaviors or about doing all good behaviors. Christianity, discipleship, spiritual maturity, is about following Jesus. I want to give you this thought. The focus of discipleship is Jesus. Today, as we're talking about the church, we're talking about Paul and Timothy, we're talking about Christ's example with his own disciples. The focus of discipleship and spiritual growth is always on Jesus. But the action of discipleship is the action of following. It's not necessarily being in charge. It's not being in control. It's simply following Jesus. The focus of discipleship is Jesus. The action of discipleship is following. As we talk today, I might ask you this question, are you interested in growing in Christ? We would love to support your spiritual development. Are you curious? Are you ready for a spiritual coach, a discipleship coach in your life? If so, you can actually visit yourdiscipleshipcoach.com, take our free coaching readiness questionnaire. As a result, we would love to offer our partnership with you in your life, in your business, in your spiritual life. Discipleship coaching is what we love. So just visit yourdiscipleshipcoach.com. Please be sure to follow this show. You can find it on the on the show's website, AM 1160. You can follow us on a podcast platform. We just want the opportunity to speak into your life. So I want to thank you for listening today to Your Discipleship Coach, partnering with you to fulfill God's purpose in your life. Today's show has been brought to you by Professional Coach University. Maximize your potential at Professional Coach University where you can become a certified coach or invest in yourself through personal development opportunities. Just visit professionalcoachuniversity.com. 
As always, it's my pleasure to be with you. You're listening to Your Discipleship Coach, partnering with you to fulfill God's purpose in your life. And I want you to know that I am for you and God is for you. And if God is for you, who could be against you? Thanks for listening to Your Discipleship Coach today on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Thank you for listening today to Your Discipleship Coach with Michael Smith. We hope you feel encouraged to apply biblical truth to everyday life as you pursue Christ. Be sure to follow Michael and Your Discipleship Coach on social media. You'll find the links at yourdiscipleshipcoach.com. And while you're there, you can click the Give Now button to support this show and to provide scholarships to pastors and Christian leaders to receive coaching. To learn more, visit yourdiscipleshipcoach.com. That's yourdiscipleshipcoach.com. Partnering with you to fulfill God's purpose in your life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.